0: hey everybody welcome to another week of the soccer thread podcast i'm dan trader i'm in portland oregon what a weekend what a weekend uh you know i don't know just that what a weekend um this is going to be a great Podcast episode I'm very excited 251 It's a new era We're, in, we're now deep into the tangent era So <laughs> look forward to that uh, Mike Samuelson's in Minneapolis
1: Deep Deep into the tangent era It's only going to get tangenty And tangent What Whatever that word is Whatever the mm-hmm. adjective of tangent is um, Had a lovely Lovely day yesterday Went to Stillwater, Minnesota For the first time uh, Walked around Climb some public stairs. Your boy, this is going to come as a surprise to a few people, but your boy loves public stairs. Public Still stairs. Still waters. Got some nice little bluffs. And, and they're out there. And I climbed some. I descended some. Had a nice time. Had a little drink. Had a little breakfast. Not in that order.
2: Um, and, uh, you, yeah. <laughs> it was
1: great. Can, we, uh, can you define a public stair? Or maybe tell me what a private stair is? I mean, uh, I would say a public staircase is a staircase that is open to the public, that connects two public places, uh-huh, stays within the public right of way, doesn't yeah. lead to a private building, it's not on private property. So, you know, oftentimes you'll see one, uh, I'm sure Pittsburgh, land of yeah. your forefathers, has a lot yeah. of public stairs. You know, A lot pills, of public
2: stairs... A lot of public stairs in Portland, actually, in the West Hills, walking around. I've got an
0: entire, I have a book, Mike, of stairs in Portland to go walk on. So next time you're here, Mike, God, let's we'll do, do a it. tour. I did a lot of
1: public stair walking in LA. It was great. I miss, Lovely. I miss those public stairs. It's a little flatter over
0: here. Fewer public stairs. Just a little I bit. What do not think of LA as a hilly place? I guess there's like the Hollywood Hills hill. Yeah, there's but like,
1: there's there's a lot of hills out there. There's a lot of hills. There's there is the LA basin, which is very flat.
2: On the
0: edge of the basin, the hills, I mean, baby.
2: The hills.
1: Come on. But like
0: in LA, I think of LA is pretty flat, and then there's like stuff outside, or whatever, you're, like the, the rich folk, you know, the hills.
1: You're right. You're right, and you're wrong at the same time, because LA is very <laughs> flat, but
0: the hills are also, they're not too far away. That's my life. I'm right, and I'm mostly wrong. Just enough right to make myself feel good about it. Ryan Palmer's in Portland. I am mostly wrong most of the time. If if anyone that has listened to
2: this podcast knows that I spend my life mostly wrong and very rarely right, it's like I'm like a broken clock. So uh, mostly wrong most of the time, and then you know once once or twice I get I'm I'm right. So there we go.
0: Celebrate celebrate those moments. Yep.
2: Just a fantastic weekend, as you can hear in the in the background. Uh, we got uh, little. Martin Luther King Dream Run happening right behind my house. It's just a beautiful, beautiful Portland weekend. I love a fall weekend. Um, You know, no better way to spend it inside uh, on a pod.
0: That's right. Beautiful. That's right. (laughs) Um, Not even with the not even with the blinds open either. Mm -mm. Shut them out. Yeah. Shut them out. Uh, Mike, you've got a great warm up for us today. So why don't you set it up? We're we're leaning into the tangent area era.
1: Um, it's Sunday. Tonight is the season three premiere of Succession, a television show that I have come to enjoy despite the many horrible people who were profiled and shown in the show. <laughs> and uh, it's not dissimilar to soccer. Soccer is also full of horrible people, but I somehow find a way to enjoy it. And I thought, what better way to connect these two interests of mine, uh and Dan and Ryans than talking about, you know, who are the parallel characters? from succession to the world of soccer. So we're going to play one of those games where, you know, you name a character and then you say, who's the soccer equivalent. Um, I'll go first just because this was my idea. Yeah. Uh, And the most obvious one, in my opinion, Brian Cox, uh, AKA Logan Roy, the sort of the, the patriarch of the family, uh, refusing to let go of power. Yeah. Rupert Murdoch. Very strong. Yeah. Very Rupert Murdoch like, in the soccer world, got to be from Easter Alex Ferguson. Good one. Ooh, uh, I like that. That's you know that's... Just a, a powerful Scotsman, uh, but good at what he does. Clearly very good at what he does, but evokes fear uh, in all. And just, yeah, kind of did whatever the hell he wanted, but did it very well.
2: See, I went a different way with this. I decided to do like character to team converters, so this okay. is great. I'm, oh, I'm happy like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I I do have a team for your uh, your Logan Roy, uh, refusing to let go of power, if if I don't want to Let's step it. on it, do, no, it. do this, it. This is a free for
1: all. Okay. I, after introducing this, I just want everyone to yell out their ideas.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it could be one of two. Um, so we got like the old guard, refusing to let go of co- of power, trying to start a super league uh, because they are starting to kind of toil away and, and not Ooh, win I see, I see as, where many, going. as many mm. champions leagues. Uh, I got, um, Logan Roy
0: is your, uh, Real Madrid,
2: maybe a little Barcelona yeah. in there too.
0: I like that. I, so immediately when you brought this up, Mike, I thought of Josh Sargent <laughs> and how he's <laughs> continually failing to meet expectations. You always think it's got to turn around for him. There's some, you know, but really he just seems like an absolute bumbling doofus. But then it actually is hard cuz this show is kind of packed with different types of those characters. Yeah. So I need help yeah, figuring yeah. out exactly which person is Josh Sargent. It could be Roman, the, you know, younger brother that's yeah. kind of a just can't quite get it right. It could yeah, be his He's kind of a deviant. We need Yeah, but need he's deviant. His... That's right. Yeah. Tom is is kind of bumbling, but like also somehow in power, just like leaning into that privilege so hard. Yeah, I I like Tom. I like the Tom pick. Yeah, I feel like there's also the cousin cousin. uh, Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg, who's kind of the bumbling dummy. But he, as I remember, might be turning around and becoming a bit of a power player. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't (laughs) that would be a move for Josh Sargent if he secretly was actually really good. (laughs) uh sergeant did get a lot of praise from his coach yesterday despite one of the worst misses i've seen <laughs> in recent history i watched the highlights he also had like he got played in and just took this terrible touch that took oh, him away from God. goal
1: he really had two I'm, I'm convinced that colin has somehow gotten in the ear of the coach and been like hey i need these socks keep playing this guy
2: there was a question posed to the thread yesterday about uh what does sergeant have to do to stop starting for this team Um, So that Mike can earn some socks. And the answer to that question is very clearly, he has to start scoring. Because Norwich doesn't want to be in the Premier League. They just like to be promoted. So (laughs) uh, I feel like Cousin Greg is a a good, uh, because he's just, it's good because he's just a bumbling kind of fool. And he finds himself in these situations. Uh, And the best way to get out of it would be to score. Um, But he just can't do that.
1: Yeah, I've yep. got another one for Cousin Greg. So um, as you said, he's kind of a bumbling fool. He's in this position because of family connections. And his name is Greg. And I feel like there's oh, another oh, person oh. who uh, checks all those boxes. And that's Greg Burhalter <laughs> That is so good. <laughs> Obviously, really, really doesn't feel like he's up to the task. But, you know, his brother used to be, you know, the, the CEO or CFO of U.S. soccer. Got him in there just yeah that's good i got uh
2: your your team for uh for greg is you can choose again choose two um it's what's more what's more spursy than greg i mean greg is <laughs> super spursy so spurs is you know all the super league fiasco just how spurs tend to just they they stepping they, in it. They rise. Comp, they, yeah. Exactly. They rise to power. You feel like, oh, this is the moment that they're able to turn the corner and then they figure out a, a new way to fail. That's uh, very good. Yep. Uh, That's it's very Greg. I mean, Arsenal could probably fall into that category
0: as well. So um those those are the team converters. I like this. Keep going. Definitely. Some we gotta handle Kendall. He's kind of a big deal in this show. So who is the Kendall? I got a team for Kendall. Who you got, Palmer?
2: Uh, new guard trying to take over the old guard, um, possibly uh, merging and and bringing in larger talent uh, from old guard talent. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, PSG is your Kendall Roy here. Oh, I like that.
0: PSG doesn't strike me as quite cany enough.
2: Well, Kendall Roy is not very cany. He's uh, you know uh, fails he does it often all. is probably afraid of the old guard in, in his father. True. true. Um, good point. But is starting to find his voice a little bit towards the end. Spoiler alert towards the end of season two. But I feel like Kendall,
1: like Spurs as a team from like two years ago would have been a good Kendall of like kind of self-destructive, but you you can see it there, but they, they just really can't quite get there. But it seems like maybe they're turning a corner and then, if if we're into season three now, it's not it's not that's not good for Kendall's storyline.
0: It would mean uh he's stepping they, backwards. Yeah, they hit the Champions League final and then can't quite consolidate that level of success. Yep, yeah, yeah, um, that's good. I've
1: I've got a player for Siobhan. So Siobhan, I feel like is um you know very well polished. Uh, clearly, clearly knows what she's doing, but just doesn't quite have that doesn't quite have the it to, to get to the top level to, to be the boss. And for me that's uh that's Eden Hazard. Like you look at him and you're like oh, this this player has everything. He has all the skills, all the ability, but there's just something, some kind of intangible there that kind of keeps him at that tier two quality player that is never quite quite good enough to like lead, you know, a top team to a champion, like to the, the highest of highs. That's good.
0: That's good. What about I got, Connor?
2: Oh, I I I have a team for Siobhan, okay. which is I think is Chelsea. Um, yeah. Chelsea often in the conversation winning Champions Leagues, but like not doing it, doing it in the old way with uh, Russian oligarch money and not <laughs> uh, the new way. Um, so that's Chelsea's Siobhan. The team for Connor, uh, oh, see. I had it, and then I'm. He's like a bumbling fool, black sheep of the family.
0: Doesn't doesn't want any part, but still has like gets all that money. He's like he's living out on a f- very expensive ranch. Yeah, yeah.
2: Also, also maybe Trumpian, very Trumpian. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't no, know. you think it's got to
0: be like like a Qatari club or a Chinese club? They're like. Super rich, but they're just off doing like who knows exactly what's going on with them. Yes, I yeah. love that. I love I, that. I feel like he's he's a joke, right?
1: Like everyone knows he's a joke except for him. Yeah. Uh, and to me, the player who epitomizes that is just Granite Shaka. He's just the absolute <laughs> joke.
0: Oh, oh man, Shaka.
1: that's fair. I think Con-
0: Connor oh, could
2: Connor could be Arsenal too, kind of doing their yeah. own thing off. Thinking that they're they're still like relevant, but they're not. But yeah.
0: yeah, more met- metaphorically for Arsenal. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Uh, oh, this is great. This has got me excited again for Succession. Thank you.
2: I got I got a player for um Keep going. for for Roman. Deviant, big deviant, uh, hilarious to watch. Doesn't really want to be involved in power, uh, but just really likes to kind of stir the pot. It is a name that we haven't mentioned for a very long time, but oh, is still out this. there uh, stirring the pot. Uh, Mario Balotelli is oh, uh, yeah. is Roman Roman Roy.
0: That's actually really good. Just lighting off fireworks in bathrooms. Exactly,
2: yeah. exactly.
0: I like it. Uh, the talent's there. Uh man. Other like Jerry, the lawyers, those folks. Anything there? I those are kind of ancillary characters. I feel like Jer- yeah.
1: Jerry's like I I don't know, like an Angola Kante, like a, a a person behind the person. Um, yeah, that's good. I mean, that like would make Angola Kante really sound solid. very sinister, and we know that's not the case. But he's just pulling the strings, doing the dirty work.
2: How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about Tom? Uh, Siobhan's husband who wants to be a big time player um, will do dirty things to uh, to be a big time player. But in the end, you know, doesn't really taste that success very often. How do you feel about Tom being uh, Lester?
0: Ooh. I feel like they're punching above their weight, though. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but the way that they accomplish the same things is so mm. inverted that it yeah. doesn't fit for me fair fair yeah i feel like for like tom's whole thing is he's like
1: he's new money he's you know he's even though he's in he's he's outside he's outside the main circle to me i'm just trying to think of like who's a player who comes from a a country that is like so not known for football uh for soccer and no one's really coming to mind right now but like i don't know like a like a mictarian or something you know like no one's like oh armenia
0: but I, I, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, that's that's not quite not quite what I'm looking for. There's got to be a good one for uh, Stewie Husseini. Speaking <laughs> of Kaney, another ancillary character. But I feel like there got to be a lot of soccer players that just fit into this like uh, very unsustainable lifestyle type situation. <laughs> yep.
2: Just every soccer player. Ever. All of them, probably. Yeah, yeah all, that's all of them. them. Yeah. Where does Newcastle fall on this? What? Who is Newcastle?
0: Especially given the new the the development, uh, it's got to be new money. It's got to be a lot of ambition.
2: Is Tom is Tom maybe, Newcastle? Yeah, maybe it's,
1: maybe Tom is Newcastle right now. Just he's you know he's in he's inside but he's still kind of outside, still in the relegation zone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe never will reach the success that he really wants. Well, we'll we'll get onto that. Um, <laughs> I Any, mean, I feel like we've covered just about all the main characters. That's pretty here. good. Is there anyone like it? anyone we're missing? No, I like it. Yeah, this was good. This was good. Um, all right. Well, I'm feeling I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling I'm very, very warm. warm.
0: Yeah, that gets me excited for Succession. I didn't know it was premiering tonight until uh, or not premiering, but next season yeah. coming out. Uh HBO, send us a six pack of Heineken for this great cross promotion. <laughs> just a six pack. It wasn't that much, so we'll just yeah. take the six. Yeah, Two two for each uh, of us. Sorry, Colin and Cliff. Mike, uh, you're up for emails too, since that's your section. So just keep on running. Keep on going, baby. Uh, first email is from George.
1: He says he was at the game with me uh last week. Minnesota United up one nothing in a man end up losing three to one. We kind of talked about this last week. Uh, I just mentioned it was just one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. Uh, George says, this is the worst I've ever felt leaving a United game. I'm writing this email to make sure it is discussed. Also, can you imagine a more disheartening outcome? I mean, Palmer, I guess I'll just throw it to you. You love to talk about how bad Spurs are. It's too bad that Colin's not here. Just having the two of you just go through your greatest hits of, of bad sporting outcomes would be a lot of fun, but Anything that comes to mind for you as a, a more disheartening outcome? Uh,
2: I this in particular, no, not this is like snatching victory from the jaws of of what? No, wait, snatching, yeah, snatching defeat, defeat from the de, from the jaws of victory. Um, the I can't really think of anything like this that I've experienced because this was like. This is a complete and utter collapse. I guess last year uh, the Steelers were like 11-0, and 0, and it was like this is the best team in the world, and then they lost it's like seven consecutive games, limped into the playoffs, and then just got absolutely uh, smashed by their rivals, the Cleveland Browns, in in the first game of the playoffs. That was pretty embarrassing and disheartening uh Of a finish to a season, but to a game like this i can 't really pick one out um you know Spurs do this all the time, but not in this fashion this was this is pretty bad this is pretty bad. The fact that George left the stadium feeling this way though is uh is good for George because that means that he is now a true fan of, yeah, he cares. of Minnesota United and he's experienced the the pain that is required uh, to become a fan. You're not a true fan until you feel this pain.
0: Um, I think the stakes, if the stakes were any higher, it would be worse. This is a regular season game, Minnesota, right around that playoff line. So points matter, but it wasn't playoffs. Like you're saying Palmer, you know, Uh, just a regular season game in the end. Yeah, but pretty bad, pretty bad way to lose. (laughs) Not, (laughs) Not ideal.
1: Wasn't there like a really terrible? I feel like there's a a NFL playoff game like five years ago where just one team was up like twenty-four points or something. Twenty-eight to
2: three, Atlanta losing to uh, the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? But that's again, that's it's. This is like Dan said, this was a regular season game. This is the stakes were as high as they could possibly get in that game, and that was like twenty-eight-three at halftime. Uh, this game's over. We're dominating, and then they come back and they they lose. Or New England comes back and and beats beats them. But uh, yeah, twenty eight three. There's plenty of those like comebacks uh, in football that you you can think of. I like the Boston Red Sox beating the Yankees when they're they were down three uh, zero in in the ALCS like the
0: series. Yeah.
2: Um, but again those the stakes are higher this is a regular yeah. season game it's just it's like yeah it's uh, With, it's shocking
0: yeah within a just a single game though like if you just take the game this is just about as bad as it could yeah. be yeah at home oh god yeah it was i mean as i
1: think i said last last week uh if if i didn't find this so funny it would be truly heartbreaking <laughs> Um all right, moving on. Next email is from Pedro. He just sent us a link to a tweet and he says what happened. And the tweet is uh some photos of uh former Arsenal great Samir Nasri. Uh he's he's filled out a little bit. He's become more of a uh a little bit more big boned. Um and the the tweet says Samir Nasri in a charity match tonight, two weeks after after announcing his retirement. Uh, so he's, he's filled out very, very quickly Nazri has. And Pedro asks, is this going to happen to all my child idols? I mean, there's a lot right. to discuss here. First of all, Nazri being a child idol, I feel like, man, that makes me sad for you, Pedro. Like you should, you should <laughs> childhood. You should have aimed so much higher. I know that there was like a few seasons where Nasri was kind of a sexy player, but I hope you dumped him before too long. Uh, <laughs> So there's that, and then, I mean, we've we've seen this before. Uh, you know, OG Ronaldo is definitely filled out a little bit. There, there's yep. some other players, uh, but I feel like this is actually kind of, you know, not the norm. That like most most former players, like, you know, they they stay in pretty good shape. You see like charity matches with you know, fifty year old Zidane or whatever, and still looking very trim and whatnot. I don't, I don't know, Dan.
0: What are your thoughts on all this? This just immediately, well, first of all, I think it's very possible that Nasri has something going on, maybe he's started taking some medications uh that he wasn't allowed to, or like now that he's out of the public eye what like there may be more going on than just like he's eating a lot of pies uh so I don't really want to pile on um but my my initial thought was that this looks like the guy that maybe you played soccer with in high school and then that guy went off to some big state school and found out that he liked beer and he comes back and you're just like, Whoa, bud, you like beer too much. You forgot about everything except for beer. And this is very much, uh, what the Nassari pictures reminded me of. I would unable to manage his own life.
2: I would like to say that I feel personally attacked looking at these photos because (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I'm looking at a picture of myself right now. Um, I, Pedro, I know that I could lose a couple pounds here. Okay, I know that I need to get back into shape. Uh, we're just coming out of a pandemic, so this could be a pandemic body here. Um, that's right. That's and right. And also, these guys have they like when they were in their prime, right? When they were doing this, they were training all of the time. Shouts to Samir for just being like, "Hey, I'm done with this life. Yeah. I'm gonna enjoy some things here a little bit. I'm not gonna worry about uh, taking in these extra cows. Um, you know, you li- he's you do you do you. you do you, Samir. You do you. Uh, you, Pedro. You should be proud of him for doing this. Like, he's uh, he's out there living, uh, enjoying his life. I ain't mad at you, Samir. You 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 do you, baby."
0: But also to the question, uh, not all of your childhood idols will become unfit and maybe disappointing in your eyes or something like that, <laughs> but they will all disappoint you in one way or another. So, so the yeah. answer, I think, in a more general sense is yes, this yes. will happen to all of your childhood idols. Yeah. Humans are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, really what it comes down to.
1: We've got a couple other U.S. Men's National Team emails. I think we're going to save those. Is that
0: right, Dan? Sure. Yeah. Uh. So U.S. Men's National Team is. I think the the. Is it the B block? Is the B block the big one usually on those news shows? C block, B block, A A block.
2: A block is your. Oh. Yeah.
0: They don't do warm ups. They don't do warm ups on Anderson Cooper. (laughs) Um. They don't talk about Succession. Weird. (laughs) Uh, U.S. Men's National Team beat Costa Rica two to one after going down after 60 seconds in Columbus, uh, the new stadium. So maybe that that uh, that it was actually the old stadium. It wasn't Columbus that did the trick for us. It was <laughs> the it was the burning scoreboard. Um, so two to one, Palmer. We get heavily rotated back in. Right, the ro- the squad was rotated on the road. Uh, we get the, the big names back in. The guys that didn't travel were back in. Um, how did you feel about this one, the lineup, and then getting scored on 60 seconds in? What was your, you know, the reaction through 62 seconds?
2: I, uh, I obviously, if you listened to last week's pod, I was 90% certain that we would, um, we would qualify for the World Cup. And that was a confident 90%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dan's was a, a nervy 90%. That's right. Um, and as soon as Costa Rica scored that goal, I became about 50 50. Uh, so my heart dropped. Um, and I was I thought back to what Mike said on last week's pod about where are the goals gonna come from this team. Um, what like what is going on? Like we had uh uh, Burhalter make a decision in terms of uh, switching the goalkeeper um, from Turner to Stefan I would say that that Zach Stefan was if not at fault for the for the goal probably played a pretty pretty big uh, big role in that goal Ooh, um, wow really
0: Wait, can actually we, I've got a question can we talk
2: more about that so it's he comes not, out
0: for this like header clearance thing that's, is that is that's what it, the yes. problem
2: yeah because he's scrambling. Uh, to get back, never really got comfortable and got set to make that save, probably should have made the save Um, but I think but he's on
0: tilt like 45 seconds in,
2: yeah the chaos started with with that weird header that was never really a cleared uh, a good
1: clearance Um, man that feels very harsh to me, like he clears the ball and Des no he doesn't, yes he does he clears it and it and it goes to Des and Des doesn't doesn't do anything. Des basically loses the ball, loses a not even quite 50-50. Yeah, so, probably, I mean, because no, Dest, no probably because
2: Dest know your Des probably because Des is like, what is my keeper doing? <laughs> Twenty five yards out of the goal, uh, forty five seconds into the game, playing this weird headed ball. Like Des was probably in shock as everyone else was that that Stefan had decided to play this. It was bizarre. Like it just created chaos. Des should have done, done better. Sure. I think the clearance should have been better. The clearance should have been out of bounds so he could go get set again. The ball comes awkwardly off of, uh, he headed head. the ball like 25 or 30 yards. It's pretty far. I dis- Oh my God. You gotta, you gotta rewatch this. That was
1: not but a 25 point, or 30 like, yard header. I mean, Mike, you were a defender.
0: I feel like defenders are always asking for the goals. And I play with some,
1: like, I play with some questionable goalkeepers. Let me tell you. So,
0: so you can probably relate if you if you've got a goalkeeper. And I feel like defenders often are like, "I want my goalkeeper to come clean up, just deal with this, blah blah blah, like come handle it. If you can do it, then I don't want to do it." Kind of like mentality. Mm-hmm. So, if but on the other hand, at some point, shouldn't the goalkeeper let the defender? defend like that wasn't a situation necessarily where it was stefan needed to be out there doing that like the defense is set let them play we're still okay stay in goal like even if he can get there he can make the header as a defender do you really want him out there doing that i mean i i see what you guys are saying
1: i just feel like that is a play that 99 times out of 100 he gets to the ball first that's the most important things he gets a very solid header on it he puts the ball way wide Like he does, if you're grading headers here, he gets, you know, pretty high marks. There's a lot worse headers that you can, you can do, you know, maybe he doesn't need to get out there fine. Anyway, for me, it's like, it's just something that the defense should have cleaned up after he gets the header. And if you, if you can't clean it up, then fucking take a foul.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So 60 seconds in, we're down one nil. Palmer is dropped from 90% to 50-50 on his confidence. Where were you at this point, Mike? So, I um I unfortunately had to work the first half. So, I missed the
1: first half. I checked the score. Saw it was 1-1 at halftime. Uh I didn't know what happened. I
0: you, mean, I you I saw, got to avoid the dip.
1: I saw I saw the goal, uh, but then I did rewatch the first half later and I just kept thinking, you know, knowing that we'd won and I just thought, "Thank God I missed God. Thank- God. These first three minutes, and thank God we won after that. Thank God we won, because um, I mean, even as I rewatched the first half, knowing what I knew, it was just like, oh God, this is such a gut punch. This is just, I mean, it, it is a, it's just a bad goal to give up. Not just because it's early, but you know, it's just, it is kind of a weird, fluky goal. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I did not have to, not didn't have to live it in in real time would have been very very difficult.
2: Yeah, it was not yeah,
0: great. Not great. Not great. Um sorry, I'm trying to look up then. We get Odest oh, in the 25th minute pulls the ball into his left foot. Uh Mike Shades of that Dest goal that he scored against I think it was Jamaica in a friendly uh last winter.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Are, are you upset if Dest can score a 25-yard, maybe not, 18, 20-yard banger uh, a couple times a year. Does that upset you?
1: <laughs> um, I'm only upset in that I wish he could do it more. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yep, he, he hit the hell out of this ball. Uh, just, I mean, Navas is in goal at this point, one of the best keepers in the world, and just not a prayer. Um, his shoe was untied, which just feels a little extra swaggy. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> just backyard. We're just playing yeah, I mean, I think this window showed between these two games is that, I mean, surprise, surprise, but like Dest Desk is really fucking good. Uh, He brings he brings a confidence on the ball that not a lot of U.S. players have and was involved in a lot of the goals that we saw. Uh, I think he, he played the ball in to Weah for the second goal. Uh, He had an assist in the first game. So, yeah, I mean, he's quickly proving to be a very important attacking piece uh, at home for this U.S. team.
2: I So, I agree with that. Uh, Dest is very good going forward. Um, but not great at defending. What position was Dest playing in this game? What position was he playing? Tell me what position Serginia Dest plays on the U.S. national team. Because he doesn't play defender. I mean, he's l- probably listed as, like, whatever, the right back. But is he? Is he?
0: He so played as a wing back, but even wing backs kind of defend, right? I, mean, I yeah. So do you think that we give up hundred percent of the defending on that side? Are you suggesting he's not a, he just he plays offense from the defender's position, but he doesn't ever defend? I we totally am give sa- up that spot. That's no,
2: side? I'm not saying that he doesn't ever defend, but his defending is horrendous, right? So he is a defensive liability. Um, he's great going forward but like uh, M- Miles Robinson I think is on that side and he ends up having to cover for Dest a ton um, and doing a lot more work probably leaving us you know open um, for mistakes and just like you said you know uh, Mike's probably putting, putting the blame on that goal uh, the first goal on Dest uh, because of that poor touch um, and like his I don't know, inability to understand where he is in the defensive third. It's just, it, it is bizarre. I, he is very talented and fun to watch. And that goal was fantastic. And he was generally our best offensive player going, or at least going forward, him and Tim Weah combined um, on that second goal. Um, and I think he created a lot going
1: forward, but, but like defensively, he's an issue. Um, I, I mean, I, I do think he, he wasn't great on that, that first goal. Uh, and he's been a liability. I I think he's for whatever reason he seems less comfortable defending on the left side. And for me, he's he's an average defender. I don't think he's like a complete disaster and liability, um, but he's not. You know, he's not like a lockdown defender where you're just like, yep, you can just leave him out there and he's gonna lock down whoever is you know your winger or attacking player or whatever. But that's okay. I mean, whatever he brings so much going forward, you. Not everyone is going to be a perfect two-way player.
0: And this is really a, a lesson for Dest not to score a banger because then we start talking about him and the microscope comes and, <laughs> and we end up just criticizing. So be careful. Be careful what you wish for, Dest. Uh, Wea scores the go-ahead goal, or does he? Uh, eventually given as an own goal. It seems a little harsh. I think that was on target. Um I, I, I mean I'm not sure I have a real question, but <laughs> I, I think it was one that like went off the, the post and then hit the keeper, right? Isn't that what happened? Oh, did it go off the post? I didn't see that replay, I guess. Okay, fine. I thought it just kinda got bungled up inside of the keeper's legs and then ended up going in. But yeah. Um I'm, could be wrong. Anyway, credit I mean, to Weya for the effort and the shot.
1: I love Weya. I've I've been a big Weyer supporter here. Uh, he, you know, he didn't come in last camp cause he was injured, but I thought he's looked really, really good. Uh, I think he brings something in terms of just like his sort of speed of play, uh, and like willingness to go forward that I don't really think any of our other attackers have. So I was very happy to see him start, uh, over Ariola, who I don't like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just loving, loving what he was bringing.
2: Yeah, do you think Areola continues to start, or like I mean, this was like this was a uh, last-minute decision to pull him from the starting eleven because he was injured. Um, did does Wea move into the starting eleven now, given his performance and uh, especially in the last two games? Um, is this the last of Areola that we saw? We saw Greg hugging him at the end of the game. Uh, does this feel like? Greg is a Judas kiss. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> kissing him
1: goodbye. Very, very like Godfather moment. I knew it uh-huh. was you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the players are all tools. Ariel is going to be great <laughs> away at, you know, Panama or Jamaica or whatever. Um, maybe Wea is more of a dust player where, when we know that we're going to attack, we know that we should be in good shape at home on a nice pitch. He can play, um, in a situation like that. I don't, I, I think Ariola gets a lot of um, negative coverage just for whatever because um, he's not a top-class player because he doesn't have the finished product all the time, but he puts in so much work. I think he's so useful uh, in the team, even if he's not kind of, it's hard to exactly say what he's doing except for like r- running around a lot and <laughs> trying really hard. Yeah. I just feel like with, with a team
1: that already struggles to get goals... Having like one of your three attacking players, be Paul Ariola, who doesn't really score. Like he's only going to score a goal that anyone on your team is going to score. He's not going to create a goal on his own.
0: So that's why I don't really want to see him in there. Yeah, I think that's fair. We're losing Palmer, Mike. All one right. on one. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so you like Wea? Do, do you have other players on this team that you trust? We're now six games in out of 14, uh, right smack in the middle of this thing. I mean, I guess we thought coming out of the summer that the squad should be pretty well understood. We should know who that we trust. Certainly now, six games into the 14, it should all really be taking shape and kind of obvious. But you look at this, are there players that you trust here? So maybe let's
1: get into Raymond's email, or uh, sorry, Vincent's email. Sorry, Vincent, didn't want to do you like that. Uh, he basically says that Costa Rica played the game they wanted. Uh, it was very similar to the game against Costa Rica in New York last cycle where we lost to nothing. And he basically says, you know, if Costa Rica capitalizes on their chances, especially uh, the breakaway chance that Brian Ruiz had, where uh, I think it was Miles Robinson basically passing the ball and then chased them down. Yeah. Uh, you know, Costa Rica could have easily won this. They probably should have had a penalty in the first half. And so, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so happy as U.S. men's national team fans. And that, to me, gets to your trust question, which is, I would have said, I really trust Miles Robinson, but in this game, he had, like, a couple very shaky moments, that being the most glaring, where it's like, you just, you can't do that, and if it's anyone other than old-ass Brian Ruiz, who now is very, very slow, and Miles Robinson happens to be very fast,
0: that's probably a goal, and... We're not having the same conversation. Yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, if Miles is going to make some mistakes, he did it in a game we won anyway. So, yeah. like, get those out of the way. And also, I think the fact that he's way faster than their starting forward isn't something that we should isn't. It's not a fluke. Yeah. Like, we know that, right? Greg knows that when he's setting up. And actually, I think, um, in terms of kind of uh, Vincent's email they played the way they wanted. They just didn't have the legs, right? They're old. They averaged like, I forget 30 years or something like that. Their youngest player was older than our oldest player on the pitch, at least to start the game. So this kind of played out like maybe you would expect. They get an early goal and then just don't have the legs to hold up. And, and the U S eventually ends up beating them just because we could play for longer, which I don't know. That's fine. Like, that's a thing that Greg could have understood might happen and planned for. So I don't necessarily hold that against I mean making a bad pass is definitely a, a problem for Miles Robinson, but like chasing down Brian Ruiz, that's not a fluke. That's yeah. that's something that's inherent to the game.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: Um their average age was thirty one and a half. Holy cow, that Jesus. is an old, old team. Yeah. Gotta
1: get gotta uh, get so, that new blood yeah. in there, Costa Rica. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like in terms of trust, I mean Adams. I trust Adams with my life. Yep. Uh beyond that, there's a bunch of guys who I'm kinda like, I'm getting there. I'm getting to trust Pepe. I thought Pepe's combination play was actually really good in this game. Yeah. Something we haven't yeah, seen yeah. from him. Uh and then there's, you know, a lot of guys like Weya, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, who I'm like, I'm getting there. Musa, I I liked what he brought to this game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of guys where I'm like I'm penning them in to start at this point, other than Tyler Adams. What about Aronson? I think Aronson is he's not dynamic enough to play on the wing, and he's not good enough in tight spaces yet to play in the center. So he's kind of a guy who's I mean he's he's not a terrible player. He shows he can be worthwhile, but for me, I mean he's still definitely behind
0: Pulisic, Reina, Nawea on the wing he's is he kind of a rich man's Paul Ariola actually <laughs>
1: that that is something I've said before I feel like yeah he works really hard he's definitely technically better than Ariola he can he gets in better spaces but if you just give him the ball one on one with another with a defender like he is he's not going to beat someone off the dribble which is something I want my wingers to be able to do
0: or if he does, it's going to be because he, like, tries to do something, runs into the defender, the ball pops out, and he beats him to it, right? It, like, he creates a 50-50 chance that he can then win somehow, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, How about Zach Steffen? Do you trust him? I, I feel like Steffen,
1: I mean, I'm not a goalie, and a lot of people who know more about keeping think Steffen is, like, not that great. But I, I feel like Steffen is a very solid keeper, and – I would be fine generally with him playing in any game,
0: but I don't know. I'd be curious your thoughts because you you know more about keeping than I do. Uh, Zach is in a position that, in a lot of ways, uh, follows in the footsteps of the great Dan Schrader's uh, <laughs> later soccer career. Um, does a lot of training, doesn't play a lot, uh, and you know sometimes great locker room you- guy. Great locker room guy. You get a, but if you're not game sharp, you're just. It's really hard to step in, and it's that is a skill for a backup goalkeeper to be able to step in and not make a blunder, not make yeah. a fluke. Like that is a skill, but it's really hard to do if you're not getting games consistently. Yeah, to get a, get a one off game and not make a little mistake or not like do something silly. I think he's fine if he got some games but he's not getting games and that's the part that makes me nervous because then he's just not in a rhythm right so he'll come in and he'll be all psyched up and he'll be in his own head a little bit and he'll uh, decide that he needs to be 25 yards out from goal heading the ball away in the 45th second which is just like no like what we really need you to do is just catch the first cross and get your heart rate down and then we'll be good to go um so I, I think he's good. I trust him. I just wish that he was getting some games uh, so that he could find a rhythm. Yeah. But I think he's fine. But in that case, I mean, I don't understand why he's playing here. Why Why not let Turner have it? He obviously is in rhythm. He's been really good. There's no reason to sit him um, unless maybe you're just trying to keep Stefan's ego up a little bit, like give him some of that confidence. But this doesn't feel like the game to do that in. This is this is world cup qualifying. We're like a little behind the curve from where we want to be. It's not the time to be rotating your starting goalkeeper. I don't think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of it is kind of locker room stuff. And Stefan's been part of the team for a lot longer than Turner. Maybe, you know, other guys on the team are wanting to see him get more games and something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I remember there was this article from SI that we've mentioned on the pod a few times. where like, Greg kind of had six captains and I think
0: Stefan was one of them. And so, yeah, maybe it was just something something related to that. Tim Ream is in the locker room saying, "I, you know, I think we should give our veterans more playing time, coach. <laughs> <laughs> we come out of this, we're in second place on 11 points. Mexico has 14, uh, Canada 10, and then a little bit of separation down to Panama on eight and Costa Rica in fifth place on six. So last week... I was saying one of the things that was making me nervous is we weren't seeing any separation between the uh, play in the fourth place spot and even the the spots out. There wasn't a lot of separation. There are now three points between us and fourth place. So we're starting to see that a little bit, Um, which honestly surprises me because the feeling has been that we haven't we haven't really been that good. But I guess the results are starting to show that it's okay. Like we're fine. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think it shows that CONCACAF
1: can be pretty forgiving, this format, that when you play a bunch of teams and a lot of them aren't very good, you can kind of stumble your way through and still be okay. Uh, and it does, I mean, I, I will say, I don't know, for me, this, this round of games, far from perfect, the Panama game was very bad, uh, but I think that's like more down to the coaching maybe than the performance in a weird way. Like if you line yeah. up your B team, you're going to get a B team result. Yep. And, and I actually thought like in this game against Costa Rica was the best we've played in a while. It's not like we were incredible, but we were creating more chances. We were kind of breaking teams down. We, we were breaking Costa Rica down when they were set up to defend. So I'm like cautiously optimistic here that we're, we're making some progress. Uh, but again, it was only one game. Now we have to play Mexico at home and, I'm not betting
0: on us to win that game somehow. Yeah. So the next window is um, Mexico at home and Jamaica away. Somehow Mexico at home. I feel like, I mean, we beat them twice this summer, uh, including with a B squad. It's an easy one to get up for. It's an easy one in a way to get the tactics. Like you don't have to overthink it. You play your best players and you tell them to go out and be solid and do what they do. Like, Somehow, I mean, I'm not saying that if we do that, we're better than Mexico and we'll win, but there's some comfort in the fact, I think, that you can imagine that that's one that things will fall into place, yeah. whether or not that's enough to win. uh, It seems straightforward, right? It's, Mexico it's such a home.
1: different game, right? It's like the one game where we know we're not going to have as much of the ball and mm-hmm, we can exactly. counterattack and do stuff that, you know, the U.S. has traditionally been better at doing, defend and counter. So it is different, but you know i think mexico seems like they're looking pretty good in qualifying they're kind of doing what you'd expect which is you know mostly just beating teams wins and draws yep. yeah. so yep. i don't know i mean again i wouldn't bet on us to win but uh that's awesome i'm i'm a bit of a pessimist i'm, a, I'm only 85% where everyone else is at 90
0: there it is um and then away at jamaica is that there are only two games in this next coming window. I don't know how they're spread out, if it's over a week, so there's a little more time in between. Um, But if there's two games, you could imagine that we can take the good team, right? We don't have to rotate out and play the B team and hope for a draw. We could go for those points. And Jamaica's not been that good. Uh, Do you have any hope that actually that could happen? Yeah, I mean, I think we should
1: be going to Jamaica, wanting to get three points, I mean, if we beat Mexico at home, then maybe three points is less important. But if you can get three points on the road, that's huge. That's huge in CONCACAF. And yeah. yep. Jamaica, you know, they've got a draw at home against Canada, and they lost 3-0 to Panama. And, I mean, I don't know. It feels like a lot of these teams, they can be so different every window. And I feel like Jamaica is probably more so than other teams just because their federation's more in disarray. But I don't know. I'd like to see us go down there and at
0: least get a point and try and get three. Yeah. I mean, you get three points in Jamaica and I mean, you'd, you'd rather take three against Jamaica and lose at Panama. Like we just did than draw both of those. Right. So an away win is huge. um, And it feels like it's there for the taking. Um, So that'll be interesting. That is in November. And then after that, I think there's a huge break. Um, I forget if it's until February, March. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. No, it's actually, it's in January. There's January games this year. Oh, and then there's a big break until March. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's over in March. So, yeah, January, end oh, of January
1: okay. and early February. This is another three-game window. And then March, is a two-game window, I
0: guess? I don't know. It's a, It's got to be three to finish out. So, okay. Um. I guess that makes sense. The World Cup's coming up. we got to get qualified to <laughs> figure out who's going. So, yeah. um, there it is. U.S. Men's National Team. Anything else? Uh, Spencer says, there's too much negativity in the world. So, let's just say it's all good. Still in a qualifying position. So, it flashes in Jamaica of what we can be. Uh, and they've got more time before the World Cup. Sure, we hope they get there. I think that's fair. It's, it's all good. We're yeah. doing fine. We want more, but come on.
1: If we can get four points next window...
0: We're, we're good. We're qualifying. If not, I'm still at 85%. Right in there. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I end this break. You know, one more game in, a win at home doesn't change a lot. It's what you expect. Uh, so I'm still at 90%. Nervy 90. It's really 87, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you know, it's a nervous 90. Um. Other news in the soccer world. Newcastle United is getting bought by uh, the state-owned investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Um, Mike, we've seen these big takeovers. Uh, PSG owned by... Oh, man, now I have to get all my Arab states, right? Qataris. Uh, Abu Dhabi, Manchester City. Uh, Dubai is invested some places. Uh, You know, anyway. Uh, So Saudi Arabia into the mix with Newcastle um, buying their way into the Premier League. Do you, do you like this? Let's maybe hold the politics (laughs) because that is a much more difficult, complicated, uh, or maybe not difficult, but uh, hold that. Do you like mega wealth coming in, uh, injecting a team and, and mix in the pot. Do you like that?
1: I would say just from a sporting standpoint, like a, a yeah. very wealthy owner coming into a historically, you know, Newcastle's a pretty big team. Uh, they've, they've won things in the past. So I, I think that can be fun. Um, you know, I, I would defer to whatever Newcastle fans are saying. I don't know if they're excited or not. You know, Mike Ashley, their former owner was a terrible owner by all accounts. So I'm sure they're pretty excited he's gone. But I mean, I I don't I don't have any like I don't know, to me there's like nothing romantic about club football right now. It's all just money. And so having another team with more money or new money, it's yeah, that's fine for me. Sure. Shake it up. Let's see if we can get Newcastle some titles. And you know, that could be that could be fun for them.
0: Yeah, there's no like, for me, there's no like God given right for Manchester United to be the richest team in the world, right? Like, just because they have been, just because they've been so good for so long, that doesn't like those fans, that club can't be upset if some other club stumbles into a bunch of money. Like, that's great. In fact, let's mix it up. Let's change things. Maybe that'll make it more interesting. Maybe it won't. I don't think it's guaranteed that. Um, this investment fund is going to pump a ton of money into Newcastle. It may just be an investment, um, but uh, we will see. Yeah, I like it. Why not make it interesting? Okay, so so do you? What
1: do you think this means for Newcastle? Like, do you think we're going to see a sort of Manchester City esque rise?
0: Um, I am hesitant to predict that. I actually, I've got a friend who lives in Manchester. I think he's doing like a graduate program affiliated with Manchester City through the University of Manchester, whatever, something. Um, And his, like, one of the things he studies is um, sports washing and soft power. So I texted him and I was like, what's going on with this? Is this, um, you know, the equivalent of Qatar holding the World Cup and trying to just get some good press and, like, hold sporting uh, news coverage? Or is it, you know, just an investment? is it, what's the issue? And he thought it was going to play out more like, um, uh, what's the Spanish club that Anyewu played at Oh, um, uh, Malaga Malaga who was bought by somebody super rich more as like a reaction to try to get good press. Mm. So I'm going to get this wrong. Cause it was like a single text message, but my buddy was saying that there are two types. There's like soft power where you proactively go out and try to show a good face And then there's, I think, called sports washing, which is more retroactive. Like, oh, we're in a bad spot and we just need some good press. And he thought this was more of the second Mm. where um, they'll probably, you know, Malaga like got into the Champions League quarterfinals or something, but then within a couple of years had fallen off and was kind of in disarray. And I think they're still owned by whoever that owner was, um, but is now like Oh, they're. I looked them up. They're in like the third division now, or something crazy. Yeah. Like their
1: their owner, I, whoever it was, sold them or went into default or something. I think at some point. Oh, Okay. And just kind of left them in shambles.
0: So I, to get back to your question, I just have this feeling that it might go more Malaga than it will Manchester City, but I don't. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, the Saudi Royal Fund or whatever it's called is like, it's
1: trying to think about how much money that company controls is just don't even try It's It's more money. It's more money than you could ever imagine. Um, And I feel like even if they're like, eh, we're not really all in on this. We're just pumping, you know, like 200 million a year or something like that, which is like a drop in the bucket for them. Or, you know, maybe they're just like, eh, we'll just pump in, you know, an extra 50 million a year. Like it, I don't know. I, that would make a big difference. And for me, I kind of feel like, if you're Saudi Arabia and the Royals or whatever, and you're just like, what am I going to do with all this money? I don't know. Just like playing with the soccer team. That seems like something people could enjoy. And I, I'm kind of, I don't know. We'll see in January because they're in trouble right now. Right? Like Newcastle's in the relegation zone. So if they're serious, you figure they're pumping a bunch of money. There's not a lot of buying clubs out there. There's a lot of clubs out there that need cash. So they could just bring in like,
0: 10 new players, probably. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious yeah, to see Yeah, The current what it market, means. the player market, that's a good point. There are, you can get messy on a free, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but on the other hand, like the Saudi investment fund, they are so rich in part because they are like cutthroat investors. Yeah. They, I mean, they're obviously terribly cutthroat in other ways as well, but they, like, they probably do not do a lot of like, uh vanity projects, uh at least when it comes to investing. So I'm I'm just not quite convinced that they will do that because that's just not how you make uh more money than anyone can actually wrap their head around. That's not yeah. that's not how that money gets generated. So yeah. it's not in there like that's not the habit that they're in. I don't know. We'll see. Um how do you feel about uh money that has is tied to pretty terrible uh, human rights and uh, suppression of the press and other ill-gotten means, uh, and even the legitimate stuff. I guess like a lot of it, I assume, is oil money. I'm not an expert here, but um, you <laughs> know, like it's, a good it's bet. not like it's not like uh, the best for the earth overall. Even if politically, you know, it's fine, whatever. Like it's an industry that uh, operates above board. Um, I think there's a lot here that you could not like very much how do you feel about that being in football yeah i mean so the the cynical view is it's already very much in football uh
1: yeah. which is which is cynical but also true but i mean adding more of it is definitely not a good thing uh so yeah i mean don't don't love that at all uh it just feels like yeah i mean more and more, you know, Newcastle is a is is basically becoming kind of a, uh, like a lot of other clubs. They are you know based in Newcastle, but you know they're you know potentially just becoming sort of a brand ex- extension of the the Saudi royal family or you know the country of Saudi Arabia. And uh, I don't know, that doesn't that doesn't feel great. I mean, I think sports in general, are sort of, you know, sports teams are sort of losing their connection in a lot of ways to the the community local. where they're based. Um, and you can't imagine this is going to help Newcastle feel
0: like more ingrained with their club, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think one aspect of this that people should be very careful about is kind of thinking, like, just branding foreign money or, like, foreign investment as bad. Um, I think that can carry... Uh, a very kind of even overtly kind of racist angle to it and to me this isn't about where the money is coming from as much as how it's it's gotten um there's you know even like abramovich uh his wealth is uh similarly ill-gotten um you can imagine although i know less about kind of where chinese billions come from but like A lot of the money in the game today in China is is maybe similar. Um, And I mean, look, billionaires in the United States are not like good people either, I think. Yeah. I mean, can you be a
1: billionaire and also be like an upstanding person? I think is. uh, I would say probably not. Uh, But all the owners of these teams are now billionaires, basically, right? So what yeah. does that
0: say? Right. So anyway, I just want to try to make it clear that um, we should not just... I don't want to lump uh, like Arab oil wealth all into one basket because I think the basket is much larger than the very simple um, boundaries that you can draw around it. Yeah. Uh, and I think all of it should be very open to scrutiny. Um, so... Anyway, there's that angle also. Um, Interesting stuff. We will see. So how long? Let's say... Actually, this is kind of a fun thought experiment. Let's say they pump a bunch of money in. Let's say they go out and buy the 10 players in January. How long does it actually take a club that's, you know, kind of... I mean, they've been in the championship recently. They're in the relegation zone now. If they go full-on investment, how long before they could win the Premier League? All right, so... So let's do a little
1: bit of history here because City is the most recent team that just got pumped full of money, right? And they were bought, I think, in 2009. So cruising Wikipedia here, they won their first title in 2011, 2012. So it took them like three or four years, which is a lot quicker than I would have guessed if you had to ask me. I don't think Newcastle is going to win the Premier League in the next three or four years just feels like there's enough other big money out there Mm -hmm. it's harder now yeah but if if you were to tell me like hey they're gonna pump this team full of money then i would say they'll win at least one premier league in the next 10 years if not more and it's like once you kind of get the machine up and running you know once you've you've put in several hundred million dollars worth of players then you know you could see them rattling off a bunch of wins in the same way that you know city every year they're they're winning something you know same with chelsea when they first got injected with the abramovich money like they were just winning fa cups or or premier leagues
0: like basically every year what about you i don't yeah i think it takes uh a I mean, you just, you can't, I think, form a brand new team in a single summer and certainly not in a winter transfer window. So it can't be the 2022-23 season that all of a sudden they're really good. Even if they've got a bunch of new players, that's a brand new squad that hasn't played together, likely a brand new coach, and it takes some time to put it together. Um, So you could see them just on the back of skill and investment being like, easily mid table and showing glimmers of like being a real super club in the next couple of years. Um, but I think it would be after it'd be in the third year that you could imagine that they're like top four for me. So 23, 24 that season, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That feels, that feels right. I would also
0: say though, like we were talking about the market.
1: We were also talking about just how much money they have. And it feels like if they want to go in and, you know, meet a bunch of buyout clauses, you know, a bunch of like five hundred million dollar buyout clauses or something. Uh this could all change very
0: quickly. Did you see uh Barcelona's youngster Pedri? Did you his buyout like clause? A billion this week? dollars or something. A billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So go on Newcastle.
1: That would be, I mean, that just feels like something that, you know, the Saudis might do just to be like, we're not
0: fucking around. Yeah, here's our splash. You make fun of us now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be wild, but then in terms of actually winning, I think your point is good. Like you can get the you can get it up and running, but even then, you're only in with a shout every year. You know, like I don't know if you can actually just buy the Premier League because you get a couple injuries or your manager, you know, has to go. Whatever. Like, I don't think you can really guarantee it. Uh, given the current state of investment from yeah. uh, other teams in the league as well,
1: I mean, I, I think this is really bad news for for Arsenal, Spurs, uh, maybe Leicester. Kind of those teams that are, you know, in with a shout for a Champions League spot or a FA Cup, and now you can just imagine, you know, those top players, at, you know, those three teams or others, you know, now going to Newcastle and just you know Spurs and Arsenal and Leicester whoever else are just fighting for more crumbs uh and yeah, it just feels like those those teams were always kind of a tier 1b and now maybe with this this you know Newcastle money now they're firmly in a tier 2
0: yeah it could take away one of the top 4 spots basically that they're fighting for yeah um why well, one of the weird things about this to me is that it's Newcastle like it is a big historical club, but it's not a sexy club, I don't think. Maybe at times it, like Alan Shearer or something, like maybe at, at moments it's been a kind of glamorous, but like Newcastle, the city, isn't an amazing destination for players to go. Yeah. Um. So it's a little funny to me that this is where the, the next super club may be coming through.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that too, of like, Kind of where would you want to buy a club right now and i mean there just aren't that many kind of great options i guess you know and newcastle like i said they do have some history they do have a really big stadium uh but yeah like the location is is not great probably going to be harder to get people to go there compared to you know manchester or
0: liverpool or london um yeah, we'll see. I mean, we we know that you would prefer some, like, small coastal club in Spain. Like, they could just buy one of those and pump them full of money and build a new stadium. Why yeah. wouldn't you
1: do that? I mean, maybe they end up just, I mean, maybe they're just moved Newcastle.
0: M- move, <laughs> move them to London. I don't know. There it is. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't yeah. be shocked. Call them MK Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Excellent. All right. What else do you have? Anything? Man, that's it. Let's wrap it. Uh Cliff, thank you. Cliff, good luck buddy. I love you. Amazing. See you, Mike. Bye. Bye.
1: there's just so many things worth complaining about and that is just not one of them i think we
2: have uh we have like a, a race that is happening like a road race that is like a 5k that's happening behind me i don't know if if the music and the screaming is going to be caught up uh i think i hear some jazz flute just now so
0: ooh. ooh, we should we should try to get that can you get your microphone out there Mm. beauties might be a caleb you might have a caleb visit well uh hbo send us a six-pack of
1: heineken for this great cross promotion he's eating a lot of pies i have no idea what you guys are talking
0: about players are all tools we're losing palmer mike is he kind of a rich man's areola actually sports washing i'm not an expert here but seems like a good bet yeah i mean c- can
1: you be a billionaire and also be like an upstanding person